0: Welcome to this week's episode of Pour Another Round, where we're here to discover and share the stories behind the breweries filling up your glass. Today, we're chatting with Rachel Hudson, Advanced Cicerone, co-owner, and head brewer from Pilot Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: Pilot Brewing is a great play on words. Rachel's husband is a commercial airline pilot, and Pilot Brewing Company really focuses on what many brewers refer to as their pilot system, small batch brews that never repeat themselves.
0: They only have three beers that are regularly around, and we'll talk about two of them in this episode. Both the ones that we tried were absolutely fantastic, but Jonathan had the pleasure to head to the tap room in Charlotte and enjoy the rest of the pilot beers at Pilot Brewing Company.
1: I did. And yeah, they're, they're doing some really cool things, trying new stuff. I'm on there, you know, all, all, as, as we said, pilot pilot batches of everything they're doing pretty much. So a lot of really cool stuff and and new things popping up all the time for them. This was another stop on that, that beer tour of Charlotte that I was on one of the great things
0: reminding about, me that I was not, you didn't so. join me. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's we, the one and, in case people have been listening. <laughs>
1: One of the great things about Pilot Brewing is their charity, charity of the month program. During the month of October, they're supporting the Dottie Rose Foundation, which supports girls interested in
0: STEM programs. Drinking for a cause. Definitely something I can get behind. And actually a bit of an aside and addition on that. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pour Another Round, where I'm drinking a pink beer a day during October in support of my American Cancer Society's Real Men Wear Pink campaign to help fund breast cancer research, support, and awareness.
1: Cheers to drinking for good causes, and definitely check uh, check that out on Facebook, and uh, maybe get yourself uh, one of those pink shirts that that Cameron and many of of our fans and and his friends are are wearing as well.
0: So may I recommend also grabbing yourself a beer with a pink label on it and enjoying our conversation with Rachel from Pilot Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina. Tavor makes it easy to access and discover the highest rated craft beers from all over the world right through their mobile app. Get the best in craft
1: beer delivered to your doorstep from over 650 breweries in 47 different states.
0: But, Jonathan, how does it work?
1: All you have to do is download the Tavor app from your phone's app store. And if you enter the promo code POUR, that's P-O-U-R, at sign up, you will receive $10 in credit after spending $25 on the app. And with all the good beer, that's pretty easy to do. Beer lovers can build their own custom beer box or subscribe to have the top rated beers automatically
0: shipped to you. So fill your beer fridge with unique, hard-to-find craft beers from independent craft breweries by downloading the Tavor app. That's Tavor. T-A-V-O-U-R.
1: And be sure to enter the promo code POUR, like pour another round, at sign up and before placing your first beer in the crate.
0: I'm Jonathan. And I'm Cameron. We We like like beer. beer. Some of the best stories start with beer. Now it's time to make beer the story. Pour another round and drink with us as we explore the stories behind your favorite beers and breweries.
1: Today we're talking with Rachel Hudson from Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Rachel. Welcome to the Yay. show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. So give us the lowdown on Pilot Brewing and how did, how did you guys get your start? So Pilot
2: Brewing is a three-barrel nano brewery in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we are considered small batch rotating brewery. We have a really small distribution, uh, mainly taproom model. We make six-barrel batches as our big batches, and we make 10 to 15-gallon batches as our small batch. Um, We have a small little canning line right there on site. We like to always make new beers, keep it rotating. We have a couple of beers that we keep all the time. Two of them are the ones three we have three of them and you the guys the beers that I give you guys are two of them are the ones that we keep rotating or not rotating. But mostly everything else we just do seasonally, small batch, just experiments, one-offs and bigger breweries out there have smaller systems in their brew house and they like to call them pilot systems and these systems are for making exactly that small batch one-off experimental beer. So that is our niche. And as well as my husband's occupation, he is a, an airline pilot.
0: Oh, that's fun. a play on words and it works two different ways. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. So that's exactly what we were going for. I mean, it was, we, we had to. The three other breweries I've worked for in the past are really big Distribution breweries um, making the same beer all the time, and I just knew that's not the game I wanted to play. Uh, it's that is a very long, expensive endeavor. And, I mean, <laughs> so so is this, but <laughs> that this one not quite the headache and more fun. But you know, we also have this model of there's we have three full time employees, and they all are fully trained on the bar and in the brew house. Okay. They, they do everything, they brew the beer, they clean the kegs, the draft lines, the tanks, they transfer beer, they serve the beer, they you know do all the events. You saw the tap room, Jonathan, super yep. small. So yep. it's kind of manageable with you know me and my husband and the three of them. And it's great. It pays off really well. They're super knowledgeable. We're very big in the uh, Cicerone program. To work at Pilot, you have to achieve the so real back. Just to back up, if you're not familiar with CisRM program, it's a beer certification program, started in 2005 in Chicago. It's a worldwide. They have four levels of testing achievement. The first one being beer server. It's an online test you can take, and it's just like a very quick overview of a lot of different topics that can be touched based on beer service. And we require that to work at Pilot. Uh, And then we uh, help everyone achieve, get to the second level is our goal.
0: That's a really cool dedication to really the quality that you are offering the people that walk into your brewery is having like making a real effort and a real almost responsibility in order to know what you're talking about to your guests. And that's a really cool thing.
2: Well, it was so annoying to go into even just like any nano brewery, like all the time you could be like, oh, like what size system do you have? Or like nobody knows anything that's serving the beer, you know, and sure, maybe you can still serve some beer, but you can't provide any sort of experience at that brewery at that point. Right. You're just an order taker.
0: Exactly. And that goes back to what, what you and I were talking about, Rachel, before we started recording, where, you know, there's thousands of breweries out there. What makes your brewery unique? Everyone's got their own story. But when you can offer an experience that is different than the brewery down the road, that's yeah. going to st- that's going to let you stand out even more. So,
2: yeah, it was a big deal to us to do that, and also because we're not big, like a very big, just dist- we can do that. We can have this multitask or you know cross trained staff, and because that's not attainable everywhere, and I get that. But they they are super passionate. They love it, and it's a good team we wanted something small and tighten it and it just, we can't really afford anymore. (laughs) So so I'm glad it works out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you mentioned that you had worked at a few other breweries before opening a pilot in Charlotte. Uh, you are originally from Virginia. Then you were at a brewery out in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you get into the brewing industry way back whenever you did?
2: When I was 19, I, got a job at this restaurant that, uh, served like 300 different types of beers. And I like, that was totally new for me. And this is 2005. So this is like baby craft beer scene anyways, you know, Richmond only had, they had one brewery, they had one beer bar, like not much at all. And it was just becoming a new thing for everybody. So, you know, I was a server and, you know, you have to like, really do like to be able to do well at your job and you have to be able to guide people through that because of that job. And I was there for a long time. And at the end of it, I was a beer buyer for one of the locations. So that was really fun to be able to choose all the beers to, um, that was going to go on draft and all that jazz Gosh, I probably did that until I was about 22, 23 ish. And then a brewery in Hardy, a uh, brewery in Richmond called Hardywood park craft opened up. And it, this was like the first brewery, since forever, you know, in a long time. So it was a very new thing as well. And I just kind of, I got, I asked to like be there and volunteer and they said no, but (laughs) and, but one thing led to another. And one day I did end up helping them out and it was just good timing. And they ended up hiring me. And trust me, I wasn't like very, I didn't know anything. I knew a lot about beer, but not about brewing So, but they, you know, I was willing to wash kegs and clean everything and do, and they had hired one guy to do way too much work. So I got lucky. It was the right timing and they've taught me how to brew. And I spent my first two and a half years, two years or so brewing there. And then eventually got a job at a left-hand brewery and decided to just go, you know, leave Richmond, move out there, try it out, Colorado, and that was great. It was a whole different world with 60 barrel brew house, you know, 480 barrel fermenters overnight shifts, which was not fun.
0: <laughs> As a new person, I'm sure you get that one.
2: Right. Well, they went through a rotation. You do like a month on like morning and then afternoon and overnight. And it was just the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it was. And I was, after that job, I was like, I will never, I said this at my, at Noda at the third brewery at one time, I was like, I will never ever do an overnight shift ever again in my whole life. <laughs> and they're like, well, what if we start doing them? I was like, I well, I guess I quit. I won't do it. <laughs> and, but I was like, you won't because it took left hand, like ugh, 16, 17 years. I don't know before they started doing overnight shifts. So yeah, I was like, not nah, while well, I'm here. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, no. So that, that was, it was great to learn though, because it was huge. It was so huge. I got to move beer from a fermenter to a bright tank from one building to another. And it's just like, to be able to do that kind of thing, is just kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But awesome. my husband now he was commuting from Philly cause he was based in Philly as a pilot. He had oh, actually okay. got, he had actually gotten a job at us airways right at like the day I same day I had a job at left hand. <laughs> so he, and they ended up merging with American. So he's now with American. But he was commuting from Philly to Colorado for that year. And that got old and he had a chance to be based in Charlotte. So we we're like, let's go to Charlotte. And I like very much courted Noda Brewing. I was like, hey, can I get a tour? Like we were there like looking for a place to live. And then I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm moving here and I very much like a job. But <laughs> and again it got lucky. They were uh opening up their new location, which was a 60 barrel brew house. And I was coming yep. from a 60 barrel brew house. So I got very lucky. It was good timing. And oh man, I loved, I loved working there. I love Chad, the head brewer. He's super awesome. I'm sure he'd love to do a podcast as well. If you reach out to him, he loves. Yeah, let's um, get him on. Awesome. He's, let's he's, go Chad.
0: He's, he's
2: very good at speaking and being on TV and podcasts and things. So you'll love it. But uh, that was great to work there. And we kind of knew pretty soon, like after I started, like, I was like, well, we're going to like, I need to do my own thing. I will never be able to like live life if I don't do my own thing. So he, my husband did not want to do it. I had to, you know, kind of start in and dive into it myself and eventually convince him. I think he knew that I wasn't going to (laughs) quit.
0: Just one of those where you just keep bringing it up. And finally, it's just like, fine, let's just do it.
2: Yeah. We weren't even married actually at the time. We were like, (laughs) so
1: it all worked and he's still married you so he must have been fine (laughs) with it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah no we're in deep now (laughs) not going anywhere
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i do want to hear more about your sister on certification as well but uh let's pour our first round of of your beers um we've got the mimosa gosa and the island hopper ipa in front of us what uh what do you want to talk about first
2: uh whichever dealer's choice you pick
1: um, well, I am super uh, curious about this Mimosa Goza. So let's okay. see that
2: one. Okay. Go for it. It's a great beer.
1: Yeah. Tell us about this beer and where it came from, where the thought came from and the name. And
2: So it's the only beer we do year round without changing any part of the recipe. And it is a German style wheat beer. It's, it's a uh, Goza. So it's a kettle sour and it's fermented with blood orange puree. Okay. That's it. In 2019, at the Great American Beer Festival, we won silver for this beer
1: yeah.
2: in the Contemporary Goza category, and this is our first year entering. We were very taken back and surprised. So you know, and as not only that, but this beer did particularly well in the tap room because people we we people who don't really like beer were really loving this beer. Mm-hmm. And people who didn't know much about beer were loving this beer and coming in and asking for it, and we're just like, okay, we need to keep this on. So that just led to one thing to another, and we had a uh, we have an artist, a local artist that we work with that I actually used to work with at Noda, and she made the can label on there, which is I know no one can see it that I'm talking about, but it's <laughs> we'll, just we'll cool. it's, it's super
1: it. cute yeah. can art. <laughs> cool, yeah, I love blood it.
2: orange is hanging out by the pool drinking champagne. Or yeah. gozas or mimosas. But um, so it was really great to just have something that people were just asking for. And, you know, we, we went into this being like, OK, we're going to do Island Hopper, which is the next week we're going to try. and We're going to do Cafe Latte. We know that everything else will be one and done. But Island Hopper, we changed the hot profile for each batch and Cafe Latte. We changed the coffee roaster for each batch. So that's that's still within our thing, right? We we're like, yeah. we're never gonna brew the same beer ever, <laughs>
0: and, that's, and
2: that's not true at all.
0: So old well, rules are made to be broken, so it's fine. Yeah,
2: yeah, you never never say never ever. <laughs> but so we decided, you know, keep here it is. We and we didn't even do cans at the time. Actually, we just did draft. The only reason we started doing cans was because of COVID. But so we always have it, and it's pretty great super easy beer to make. It's kind of annoying actually because I can only so when you make a kettle sour, I have to use my kettle to sour the beer and it takes 2 days.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I cannot double batch and fill up a whole fermenter worth okay. of beer, which is super annoying. So you just have to sit there and like watch it. <laughs>
0: it's like yeah. watching paint dry but worse.
2: Yeah, you you like you're like this I I can only do half the. So, our brew system, you brew twice, you'll fill up one tank. It's a three barrel system. We have six barrel tanks. So, I can only make a three barrel batch. And because I can't like do it again two days later and add it into the same tank. So, that's annoying. Like the most popular beer that we have is the most inconvenient to make. It's <laughs> <Most> annoying. <laughs> so, so, it's
1: a good thing people like it. So, yeah. that, uh,
0: it's worth, worth it, worth the yeah. process. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this one definitely has a, a really good orange scent to it like as soon as yeah. you put up to your mouth that's that's what you get and um i think the the flavor is also there where it's it's not an overpowering orange it's that that subtlety of it and i really like uh in the description on the can talks about the the sea salt profile and i definitely get a little bit of that that little, like slight saltiness which is a fantastic addition in here and do you actually add salt or is that just part of the the, yep. the profile of what you add into it
2: Nope. Um, we add we coriander and sea salt, pink Himalayan sea salt into the end of the boiling process, okay. into the kettle. And uh, that's a traditional thing to do with the Goza style. So it is a very traditional Goza style recipe. And just with a simple addition of blood orange puree that we get from Amaretti, it's an aseptic puree. Um, it's very easy to use. It's very natural tasting. It's not fake or, you know, as you can tell, not overly sweet. And yeah, you get the lactic, uh, lactobacillus, the lactic acid that you get is very uh, subtle. It's not harsh. It's like, it is a sour, but it's very, um, it's, a, it's just an slightly, approachable sour. Yes, it's approachable. Exactly. It's a great way to put it. That's a great way to, if you want to get into sours and you don't want to be a good starting
1: place. Because mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of different interpretations of what people think sour beer is like, and then you bring in, go into wild beer, and that's a whole different game. And-
0: yeah, I think when when sours were really starting to come around a handful of years ago, I was not a fan. I kept trying them, like I was wanting to like them, and I couldn't. And that's when they were super like dank sour and just like harsh. Yeah, and then, and then these more approachable ones came out, and then I started trying those. Like, oh, this this is good. And now, you know, as you as you ease into it, then you can go a little bit farther and farther and a little bit more intense. So. Yeah, this is definitely one of those great stepping stone sours. I mean, anyone would like this. But if you're not a sour fan, this is yeah. an easy one to start with.
2: Exactly. Sure. And if you're a mimosa uh, mimosa fan, this is a good beer.
0: To yeah, start with. I, I love <laughs> the, uh, the the line on the can that says it's a great brunch beer. So if you want to drink this yeah. at breakfast, mm-hmm. by all means, please drink this at breakfast. Yeah. Exactly. Low
2: alcohol is at 4.2%.
1: So you can so, still go to work after this. It's fine. <laughs> there you go.
0: It's perfect. <laughs>
1: So um, Rachel, tell us about your Cicerone certification. Sure. You um, talked about the exp- or the the expectations you have of your employees, but you are, you know, what level are you at through that certification process?
2: I am currently at advanced Cicerone level, uh, which okay. is the third level out of four. When I worked at Hardywood, they, the way I feel, very much wanted everyone to go for second level. So sure. they helped us achieve that. So that was a long time ago. Um Gosh, 2012, maybe when I got the second level. Okay. And so when we opened up, started to open up pilot, I was like, all right, well, I, I need to get the third level. Like, I want to, I need to, it looks good. And mm-hmm. I have, I actually had the time to study at that moment. It wasn't <laughs> like a building then. Oh, God. I studied like it was my job. Like, <laughs> well, literally. it is your
0: job. No,
2: <laughs> right? it, it was. I mean, I did like for, hours a day and I put everything into it and it's it's rough it's a so the first level and the second level are very close to them each other and then there's a big jump from the third level and the fourth level and the third level is so just to give you a little idea there's about probably oh gosh I should double check but probably like over a hundred thousand first level it's so like this the online test and then the second level four or five thousand and then in the third level there's like 140 now maybe could be a well, more than congratulations. that congratulations
0: that's fantastic No, thank yeah. you thank you it is. so you were, you were saying the first level is uh certification for beer serving
2: yeah what well, what
0: is what is like second level and then third level like why why is it getting more and more intense as you go up the ladder
2: so it's just like more information so it is a beer service certification and it, yes that is all things front of the house with you know, how to treat beer properly, pour it, you know, serve beer, all that jazz, clean draft lines. But then it also gets more in depth to the back of the house brewing side, you know, and then they say they want you on the master level to be, to provide encyclopedic knowledge about like seven eight pages worth of a syllabus can, so, can we just know, so. can we just
0: finish out the rest of this podcast and you just speak like an encyclopedia for the next 40 minutes <laughs>
2: yeah i was like yeah no problem <laughs> knowledge so only 19 people have passed the fourth level wow in wow. the whole world this is a worldwide test they've been around since you know for a while and you got to really want to like, it's expensive. Don't get me wrong. There are barriers to entry for sure. So I'm taking the fourth level in November.
0: Wow. Good luck. And
2: yeah, thanks. And it's super stressful and, but it's a very expensive test one to sign up for. i got to have to travel to Chicago to do it. You have to go to their office for this one. The other ones, like the second one and the third one. And the fourth one, they're all proctors. You'll have to go somewhere to do it, but they have way more options for the second, and then the third, and then the fourth mm, okay. is just like only twenty <laughs> people take it a year. So you oh. go to Chicago. You have to pay for that, and you have to pay ch- to travel and stay there. So if it wasn't so expensive and hard, I'm sure more people could would be at these higher levels. But,
0: but it still, still doesn't take. That still doesn't take away. Anything no, from the people doesn't. that have, because it's not an easy process. It's not
2: an easy process. No. I took the third level three times. I fully expect to take the fourth level three times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say you're not even then guaranteed guaranteed that certification either. You spend all this this money and time oh. studying and traveling to go take the test, but then if you don't pass, then it's it's a high expectation. Again. And yeah. it's
2: it's orals, it's written, it's um off flavor tasting styles, you know, on flavors, tasting, style discrimination. It's a whole slew of two, you know, eight hours a day, two days, just worth of putting your everything you got to the test, you know?
1: Oh, and then and then you need more beer probably after that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or you're so
0: sick of beer, like not for yeah. a while.
1: Maybe it's, maybe some liquor.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: If you're going to be in Chicago, may I recommend uh, going to CH Distillery to get some Malort?
2: Yes.
1: Would not, would not recommend.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm going with my friend, Jen, who I do, who is taking the test as well. Okay. And she is from Chicago or used to live there and very much will bring me into a situation with Malort.
0: Excellent. Sure. Good for that her. Sounds Good like, for you.
1: That sounds like my, uh my relationship with Cameron.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he
1: is also from outside Chicago and yeah. uh, brings Malort into everything.
2: Yeah.
0: Look! Look! What's within arm's length is a bottle of malort. <laughs> oh,
2: perfect! Yeah, great. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, Rachel, look, let's talk about uh, a nice transition outside of malort here. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> the obvious here, and I'm sure that you are asked this often, but you know, we've as we were talking about before, we've released thirty some episodes. We've had a couple females on the podcast who are involved at a higher level in the brewing industry, but I think you're our first woman who is the, actually the head brewer. So what is that like for you to be in relatively a male dominated industry and now going for your fourth level cicerone like that's that's, that's awesome. setting you higher and higher than than the average person in general already and now you're taking it even one step further. So what is what is that like for you and and what it what 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 does that do for you?
2: Well, I actually stir the mash with my vagina. <laughs> so Okay. <laughs> so it's really cool that I have this different ability. Yeah, and, for sure. <laughs> you know, it's not anything really Then, really more than just being asked what it's like. It's uh, nothing different, really. I, I, you know, I guess the cool thing about what I get to do every day is I'm in a position where I get to do all these really cool events for different types of you know, all types of people, but like doing stuff for women um, when, you know, helping them get certain trainings for certain BGAC certification levels and, and, you know, just helping them uplift them. And even doing the podcast that we do, I've been told that we provide the safe space for women on our podcast. And I just, that was the, like the highest of them all compliment that I ever could have gotten it's sure. a, this is something I didn't even realize, you know, and I, I got, you know, with this, some of these charities I worked f- with through the brewery, I've uh, got to bring in this one girl who was 15 years old and do a whole batch with her and teach her how to brew. And she did everything and made the can label and we did the whole, that's awesome, both jazz. And so just being in the position that I am, because I never would have gotten to do that working for other people is mm-hmm. The most coolest thing, um, a part about being me.
0: Well, and I think that's a good transition into what we were also talking about with the the Dottie Foundation. So, talk about your involvement in that and how Pilot Brewing brings that into the the whole fold of really a mission yeah. of yours.
2: Yeah. So every we do a charity of the month program at Pilot Brewing, and we just pick a different charity that we feel strongly about, and we brew a special beer for them, and we promote them during that month, and. Last year during October, Dottie Rose Foundation was our charity of the month, and they provide STEM programs and training to young girls, like really young, like anywhere from eight to 14 to 15, and all sorts of stuff from coding to different technology programs. I mean, I like stuff I can't even think of right now because it's so just stuff I don't do all the time. But during that time, or right before that month, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and we knew we wanted to do a beer that in her honor, cause just that's what we do as brewers. When we feel strongly about something, we make a beer for yeah. it. Yeah. So we make a special beer for the charity each month. So it was good timing. We knew we wanted to do this beer for her, for the charity. So we um, called it women belong in all places where decisions are being made. And it was, you like google you know ruth bader ginsburg's image it was like that image with like half her face and half their quote and that was our can label just that image and oh cool literally people came and bought the beer for the can label and (laughs) and we we went all out we made koozies and candles and uh, pins and stickers and it was crazy so like well we have to do this every year so we're doing it again and each year we change the quote so this year will be um Barriers will fall when women achieve power. So it's very snarky and I love it. <laughs> and we have a big day where on the 16th of October, actually, if you're in Charlotte, we have a big day where the girls from the Dottie Rose Foundation are coming out and doing like they're selling like arts and crafts. And then we're having a makers market in the evening with all women entrepreneurs, and we're having food truck who is women entrepreneur ran. And it's a very big day celebration of women and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and delicious beer. So um, actually the girl that I taught how to make beer that came from Dottie Rose Foundation. Oh, okay. We uh, actually do a four-day program with them in the springtime where the kids come and make root beer and they sp- and learn how to start a business. So they spend a couple of days sure. doing the business stuff and marketing and making a label and they make root beer and they bottle it and they sell it. And it's like a camp for them. So, um, she was a part of that and she just did so good in the brewery. And I was like, and she was older, you know, sometimes when they're older, they're more into it. You know, the younger Mm -hmm. kids are like, cool, you know, I'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really fun.
0: That's going to be a cool feeling though, too, where, you know, you, you were relatively in that position at one point in your career where you're wanting to learn how to brew. And now you're in a position where you're able to pass that on to the next super people important. that want to learn how to brew. So that's, that's really cool transition that you've now achieved as well.
2: Yeah. It's super important because you, there are people who just don't, I I mean, I'm lucky I fell into it. It just doesn't happen like that. You have to instill this stuff as they're young, you know, not make it such a scary world of alcohol, if right. you will.
0: Right. It's still, there's still some, like, as you mentioned, this, you know, Dottie Rose and the STEM program as as much as art is incorporated into beer, as each brewer kind of brings their own thing oh, yeah. into it, it's very much science. So yeah, oh, like, let's let's talk sure. about the chemistry of how things interact with each other. And yeah. that's a really good educational tool, regardless of what the outcome. I mean, you're not making meth here, so it's still science. Oh,
2: yeah. It's fine. Well, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, she's making sugar water. Exactly. And we are putting it into a tank. And, you
0: know, the yeast will
2: make the alcohol.
0: But right. and there's
2: still so much. I mean, she set up all the pipe piping and pathways and pumps and like the clamps and the whole nine yards, you know, and like to do all that, put something together that works is that's like one of the most fun things back there, putting everything together and getting it ready and moving stuff around.
0: And definitely. Yeah. And, and like, you can sit in a classroom and learn about something all day. And it, for me anyway, it it doesn't resonate until you like do it it and you're like, Oh, This is practical, and you can do cool things with whatever I've just learned.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's a whole different world.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So the month of October this year again, twenty twenty one, is your charity of the month is the Dottie Rose Foundation. Yep. Um, And so anyone in the Charlotte area should stop in to Pilot Brewing and um, and what? uh, How can they? How can they? You mentioned the events uh, coming up on October sixteenth.
2: Yep. No, I was going to say you can uh, check out our website, and that's PilotBrewing.us. Or you can just Google it and we have an events page and there's it's right up there with all the information. You can also find us on Facebook and we have it on our events page there as well. Y- there'll be uh, pre-order options online and you can okay. come in and pick up the visit uh, at the brewery as well. If, but if you, know, if you can't make it, there are ways to get the beer. We also have koozies, buttons, stickers, candles, tote bags. So it will be a whole nine yards.
0: Perfect. And I, I believe you, you had mentioned before that people oh, were yeah. picking up the can yeah. for the arts yeah. and like, Oh, cool. true. Kind of we in haven't even anyway? talked about it. So <laughs> it doesn't kind of matter, beer is in this can now?
2: It's actually right. just water. <laughs> 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 and <Surprise>. it's $15.99 <laughs> a four pack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it goes through a cause. But it goes through yeah. a good cause. So it's fine. No, I'm just it's a cool kidding. can. It's
2: a <laughs> right. Southeastern IPA. So well, that's a new one. If you know, yeah. Right. I'm actually really glad we are talking about this. So if you know anything, of, well, not anything, but if you know a couple things about me, you know, uh, I do not like the New England IPA style. It okay. is not my jam. When I was uh, learning how to brew, that wasn't a thing. And so Southeastern is very much our kind of play on that. It's a American IPA brew with flaked corn or grits, but we use grits merciless. because you are in the South. and i'm not the only brewery do this and so it's a a low bitterness high hop flavor high hop aroma like the new england ipa but it's clear just it just like it should be so there's still a lot of hop going in there not trust me i don't overdo it like they do but i still have a nice hop aroma profile and flavor and you know it's going to be just as tasty as that, except you can see through it. So the corn really helps to provide that clarity as well as like foam stability and head retention. And just, again, clarity, which is the most important thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and we're talking about the, but, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg beer right now for that. Yes. Is your Island Hopper also that Southeastern IPA style?
2: No, that's going to be more like West coast style, a little okay. bit more bitterness in the background uh about leave us like 70 ibus
0: well let's let's pour this around while you're talking yeah. about this yeah
2: yeah, do it up so island hopper is one of the first beers we ever made even um as our little homebrew set up in our house and meant to be a tropical ipa we decided that this was going to be a you know west coast style easy to drink again clear that's our thing ipa um it's not, it is like more backbone on the bitterness, but it's not super harsh or anything. So we, this is our rotating IPA. We like, again, when we opened, right, we were going to stick core to n- never brew the same beer. So we, every batch we do is a different hop. We've gone through a lot of different batches right now. Every once in a while, we've done like a blend of two hops instead of a single hop, but we try to stick to single hop because that's more fun. And, um, I believe you have... Which, which one do you have? Altus. Yes. Yep. Okay, the Altus hop. That's good. That's a, It's described as a pint, uh, resiny, danky hop. has a little bit more bite to it than like some of the other citrusy hop profile ones I've yeah. done before. But I like it. It's real nice. It was a newer hop for us. It's Hopsteiner it is the grower of this hop. And it, I believe it's a newer hop for them. I couldn't tell you exactly how many years, but I had never used it before, and so that was that's fun because that's what we like to do. Single hop, so we really get to know it. Um, our next Island Hopper coming out is the Comet Hop, which is going to be one of the more grapefruity side, kind of more similar to like a Citra. Okay. So it's kind of really fun to just have the same beer because people really do like it, and there are Island Hopper fans. And once we start at canning, the late brand recognition is is very real. There's there's a real thing to that, you know.
0: Well, it's a it's a beautiful can of an island with with a set of sunglasses on it, and the sunglasses are looking <laughs> at whatever hop you've got going on in there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an attention grabbing beer can. Uh, the label art is, uh, but the, I think the the beer itself is also delicious. I think there for a while people were trying to out bitter each other. Yeah. yeah, with with their IPAs, and I think with that bitterness came that resiny. Flavor often that that dankness to it. This has that resiny dankness to it without that overpowering bitterness. So I think yeah, it, the flavor is the flavor is just what I want in an IPA without like being a punch in the mouth.
2: Thank you. That's what we were going for. We don't want to punch anyone in the mouth.
0: Well, you nailed it. So great. <laughs> right.
1: And it's kind of a cool concept too that it is the like the consistent beer, right? You have this beer all the time, but you're you change what hop you're using. We still change so the hop,
2: so it keeps it fun.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, you know, people that, that really gravitate toward that Island hopper IPA, or they like the beer, there's still that, that surprise element anytime that they're coming in and there's a, a new batch with a new hop and they can kind of compare what they, what they liked about the last one versus this one. And, and, yeah. uh, and try still, still be trying different things. Exactly.
0: And when you, when you bring in your, the comet hops next with that, that citrusy flavor, that's going to completely take out that, that resiny dankness mm-hmm. to it. So it'll yeah. be a little bit more lighter and crisper and, and citrusy. So I think it's the same beer, just slightly different. Which, yeah. I like, I like that. That's a fun way to do that.
2: And every once in a while, well, as we get to the new batch, we'll have like two on,
0: which is oh, kind okay. of fun.
2: So yeah. that doesn't happen often, but every once in a while we do, we're, do, we're getting really good at, you know, that,
0: that <laughs> timeline, barely getting it on. draft. <laughs> so why was that an approach that you wanted to take to buy to pilot brewing Almost setting your setting a rule for yourself where we are never going to brew the same beer.
2: Well, one because like it, it, we could. One, we weren't canning when we opened. Like that wasn't in our business model. We didn't know COVID was going to happen, obviously. So, um, and we're small. Like we we actually really thought naively that we would sell everything off over the bar right off the bat. No big deal. We did need to do some distro, but it actually didn't really matter that we didn't have a, a ship. At the time, even like the same island hopper, like one people were fine, different island hoppers. Yeah. People really didn't even order island hopping that much. Like I, I would also do things like ESBs, wheat beer, like stuff that was not done that regularly and true to style. So I was selling more of that stuff. People were like, oh, because no one did that. So people weren't buying my um, my IPA, which is fine. I didn't care. It was, like, you know, distro wise. I just sell in the tap room. It, we just really want it to be different and you know we pilot it's a small batch rotation it's experimental <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> her dog is attacking her right now <laughs> with kisses this is river
2: this is river big river. girl but uh yeah so it's just like we want it to be cool we want it to be our niche you know nobody was like always doing that you know and we pretty much do that. Like we, we do like an Oktoberfest and we do it when it's appropriate and we do, you know, our, like a secret Santa stout for Christmas and we do our yearly stuff. And then we, a lot of times we just do what we want.
0: How many tap lines do you have in your tap room? Usually.
2: Uh, we have 16.
0: So that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of different beers to make sure it's always fun.
2: Cider line. So really 17 is my one first. Mm -hmm. And we don't always have them full. We try to have them full, but we normally have at least, uh, 12, Okay. On our main because we have our main lines normally too. We normally have yeah. at least all that full. So and it's all we try to tap a new beer every Friday. And we like to do cask beer, which is really fun. And we do the pit the pin on the bar and tap that. It's not very big in Charlotte, but the people who do like it really do love it. Um, it was really big in Richmond when I was there. Like they would do cask crawls. Like, I feel like there's a cask every weekend. it was very different. Yeah, so we just it it makes it easy to do small batches and just rotate a lot when you're just doing ten gallons, fifteen gallons on some of them, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a cool thing too, where you know you mentioned you you were in Richmond, Virginia, then you were out in the Boulder area of Colorado. Now you are in Charlotte, so you know that that seems to be a pattern among the brewing industry where people move regionally around breweries. Yeah, and you you bring in what you learned in Richmond to Charlotte, which did not maybe yeah. have the popularity of the pin tapping, but you bring in a little bit of, of your history where you've been and what you've learned along the way to a new part of the the, the country, which is yeah uh, how things evolve and grow and and move, move around. So I think that's a, a really unique and cool thing to do to bring your history to whatever place you're at now.
2: Yeah, me too. Thank you.
0: Let's talk about your
1: tap room a little bit more. We've we talked about that your tap room is, is on the smaller side, but much like your philosophy of, of brewing small batch. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. So, so, and what I, what I really loved, um, so I did visit your, your tap room when I was down in Charlotte. And one of the elements that I liked too, was your, you have a walk-up window there too. Right. Um, so talk, yeah. talk to us about the tap room and how you decided on the location that you're in too.
2: Well, we were really, we knew that, Bar service, beers over the bar were the most important for us profit-wise. Mm-hmm. And that's what we needed to sell. So we knew we needed to be like a walkable neighborhood. Not, We didn't want to be an industrial, which a lot of breweries do, especially ones that had opened years ago because they were only allowed to. The zoning has since changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were allowed to be in that space, one, which is crucial. Uh, I actually, you know, in hindsight not that we could have afforded it, but I wish we had a bigger tap room space. You know, we get a lot of requests for parties that we really can't like fit. We don't have that, that private room. Yeah. So, you know, but you do, you do, you do the best you can. And we have that, that great patio. We have those two walk up windows. And when we originally opened, they were, they were for seating and, you know, COVID kind of changed some of that where we have like walk up sections only. So, uh, it's been a great thing. It's actually, it's a big, two big garage doors that come up and act as service windows. Cause we are bars built in right there. Yep. And then our bar inside is God it's like what? 800 square feet, probably the tapped room. I mean, the whole inside total is 1900 square feet. And the, it's, the bar is open and the brewery is right there next to it. So you can sit at the bar and watch everything that's going on in the brewery. We have pallet, uh, you know, like six, like seven tables in there, uh, pallet tables that I actually made myself when we <laughs> were doing construction. Because, wow. <laughs> you know, Pinterest is a powerful tool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, you do, you know, it was cheap to do that. So, you know, tabletop games, we don't do a bunch of food, give us some snacks, try to do the food truck thing when we can. But we are not like the huge foot traffic, big space brewery that some of them are. So, you know, they, they don't, we don't have them that often, but, and we you know we always trying to do a lot of educational stuff in there as much as we can, whether it's like guest brew days or classes. We've done off-flavor classes. We've done cheese tastings, chocolate tastings, beer dinners, like literally anything you can think of, we've probably done. So we make good use of it. We really do. it You know, it's funny how I think sometimes like, God, like the transition of this tap room and how, what it's all going through, especially during COVID when it was like shut down and it looks like crap and like, it's a funny little space, but it's expensive, you know, because of the area. So, but that's a choice that we made knowing that we needed to splurge to be in a walkable spot. You know, what we have, we'll be there for at least another seven years. And then we have a couple options to renew too, depending on how things are going. So
0: Okay. So, so where at is the tap room and brewery in the Charlotte area?
2: Yeah, so the, the city, the downtown area, which they actually call Uptown, has some b- pocket Infusing. neighbors kind of all around it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have Uptown, they have Midtown, they don't have a downtown, but downtown is Uptown. So um, <laughs> Na-
0: naturally, <laughs>
2: we're about like a little northeast of you know just the Charlotte. It, just the, the it's kind of a big circle. It's actually not a very big city. And then it has like little neighborhoods around it. So it's like a five minute drive from the city. And um there's some um, we actually have a new gold line, like a new light rail that kind of comes up right to where our brewery is almost just a couple blocks away. Oh, that's wide. convenient.
0: Yeah. So if you're so. if
2: you're in there in the in the uptown, you can jump on that if you know if you're visiting, which is really great. And um
0: take take that take that <laughs> up from uptown to yeah. get to pilot brewing. Up
2: up in the up and then a little left and a little right and a little more up.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: follow those instructions yeah. you'll find you'll it no find problem, no problem. google google's great google
0: help.
2: so it's not far and there's a lot of great breweries so many and so many openings so many popping up there's the noda neighborhood which has breweries plaza midwood neighborhood we're in plaza midwood um there's the south end and so it's really becoming a beer spot and people are visiting so for charlotte for beer which i think is incredible i love it mm. i think that's it's what it's true. <laughs> you, we well, you also have a mission,
1: right? Yeah, our, mission our mission is, is, to to drink is beer. good
2: beer. <laughs> well, you're you're succeeding. You are succeeding.
0: Yeah, thanks. We're, we're trying. We're trying to find all the, the good beer we can. So yes, this is working out very well. Nice. Uh, but but you mentioned uh, that you want to be in a walkable neighborhood or a walkable area of of Charlotte. I'm sure there's many little pockets in neighborhoods of Charlotte that are walkable. so why did you pick the Plaza Midwood neighborhood itself?
2: Well the, when you go to start looking for a building there's a lot of factors that come into play you know who you know what different there's always a different deal. Some people have money for for renovation, some people don't you know some you know all the deals are different. so that that is a big factor. you know you can't just necessarily choose the exact neighborhood you want to be in all the time. But we that it was a neighborhood we wanted to be in. So we did get lucky. We looked at a lot of different spots, but we weren't in a huge rush. Like we didn't need to like make a decision right then and there, but we weren't going to like wait forever either. So, and our deal, like once we picked a spot, it still took like nine months, maybe a year to negotiate. Um, But we knew this was a good neighborhood. So the neighborhood has a lot of bars and restaurants and then housing around it it's all very walkable and we're like right next to it. Like behind us is like a street into a neighborhood. Like it's very family friendly. And we are also like some parts of Charlotte, like the South end, for example, can have more party time going okay. on. Whereas Plaza Midway is a little bit more chill. Okay. So that works great for us. Cause we are, we're not like very, this tap room is very reflective of like my, and my husband's personality like we're chill we're not trying to stay out <laughs> until two So is at 10 <laughs> you know like we established you don't 11. like you can the hear each other you can hear each other the music's not blaring like it's <laughs> so you know very much does work out we got lucky there you know but also one of the great things like we also knew, we also knew the light rail was coming oh nice so and there's even a further expansion for it to come right up next to our building. Oh, um, in like three to five years or so. But what we didn't know, which has been really great is because of COVID and we were allowed the North Carolina Brewers Guild really went up to bat for all the breweries. They made it so we could stay open. They made it so we could expand our patio space outside to areas that we weren't really using before. Cause you know, alcohol permits and stuff, mm. they made it permanent. And then they even got, a this is brand new they they made all that expansion permanent so which is great and now they've made it so neighborhoods can apply to be walking districts as social drinking zones
1: oh, oh that's wow. super cool so
2: now someone needs to get on this i was kind of hoping some other business owners would do. <laughs> 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 so now we can apply for this and become people can like come up to our walk-up window get a cup of beer and just walk away and go yeah. do whatever they want so that's going to be our next step. Step. So I did not know that at the time, but glad it happened. It
1: worked out well for you. Yeah. So let's talk about your your podcast. You mentioned earlier that you have a podcast uh, called uh, False Bottom Girls. Give yep. us give us a little plug for that. What's that all about?
2: Yeah. So uh, False Bottom Girls is a beer podcast I do with my best friend Jen. She I met her. <laughs> So this is funny. So I, I met Jen because she was studying for advanced Cicerone. And so was I, and I just moved here and we were opening pilot and I had off flavors. And there was like a group Facebook group with like people studying for advanced Cicerone. So we all got together and did study stuff. And then I was like, who is this girl? I need to be this girl. <laughs> Cause want to be you know, she's trying to be the first. I want to be the first, you know, we're very competitive like that. And we just end up being great friends. So we've been on this beer journey together she was for a while since we like before pilot opened and then she um she got a job at new row brewery in Atlanta and moved there so she's been in Atlanta for a while so we started this podcast like a few months before she moved but very representative representative of our personalities we started this podcast because it was a contest and we wanted to win <laughs> we have never done a podcast we had no experience there was an NPR contest contest for podcasts and you get like all this money to do it if you want and she like taking a class about podcasts so <laughs> she
1: wanted to talk about pod- <laughs> she was all in
2: and i was like okay 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 like it took me a second but i was like all right, all right and she had the name false bottom girls and i was like okay all right now i'm really in now i love it and um so i was like all right fuck it let's do it like let's make a elevator line right i guess that's what it's called like i am the worst right i i don't know about you guys like who has what role but for her she does everything i just (laughs) i just show up to the podcast but she does she does it all so it's great i was like all right and then we like made the like first round and i was like oh my god what if we have to do this podcast? <laughs> like I don't want to do a podcast. I'm so busy. And, uh, and then we did not win. And then we were both like, fuck it. Let's just do a podcast. <laughs> let's yeah. just do it anyways. So we just did it. We just figured it out. You know, we like, it's more of like a thing for us to hang out with, but people like it and started listening and, you know, it's just kind of grown and we have a Patreon account and it was, I didn't realize I don't, I still don't understand how, like, how many people actually listen? But we were in craft brewers conference together that couple of weeks ago, and the amount of people come came up to us and just like fangirl was
1: <laughs> like, like I can't. Wow, this, uh, this yeah, thing's working.
2: I know. It's was like, really? Like I can't believe you listen to this. All right, well, you give know? us give us your
0: give us your elevator pitch for fal- false bottom girls.
2: Oh man, do I have to? So it's all recording. <laughs> Well, let's see. It goes like, um, name, uh, let's see, named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grain, Fault's Bottom Girls is here to help you guide through the world of beer. Let's add something. I can't remember something exactly. Something along those lines. Something along. So you have to check us out at Fault's Bottom Girls wherever you sign up for your uh, favorite podcast. You can find us anywhere. Or we have a, web- yeah. we have a website too, False Bottom Girls dot com.
0: So more more beer content over there.
2: So much. We have a lot of episodes, but we we like to uh, we like to dive into beer styles, get geeky into certain topics. We like to make it approachable, um, for you know the beginner. It's not like just chemistry or anything. Trust me, we don't. We're not that into it that much, but
0: <laughs> we, we wish we were. We wish like we like nerdy, but not that nerdy. Yeah, you're going over here for your fourth little sister. What do you mean? You're not that nerdy. Well,
2: yeah, the, you know you.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not like <laughs>
1: It's not like that.
2: Encyclopedia <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> it's not just But no, it's great. We we like to have fun. Uh we like to think we're pretty funny. So
0: That's the key is you have to think you're you have to you have to think you're funny and who yep. cares what anyone else thinks as long as you're having <laughs> oh, fun. I it. I
2: don't care. I hardly even listen to the episodes. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I mean I,
0: Laugh at yourself while it's happening I, and I, move on. I just mm-hmm.
2: it's no, I just I'm, I'm busy. I feel bad. I should listen more. She puts so much effort into it. I feel bad.
0: Well, you're the one creating it. Let everyone else listen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's what I say.
1: So yeah, for our listeners, uh, go check out false bottom girls, wherever you can find your podcast and you'll hear, hear more from Rachel. That's right. Thank you. Um, so Rachel, we do have a, a last question that we always ask our guests on pour another round. And uh, so we want to know from you, if you're not drinking pilot brewing beer, what, what can we find you drinking? Um, and that, that can be beer or not
2: okay well i do when i'm not in my beer mood i do love myself some jameson that's my i
0: love it that's
2: my go-to whiskey i'll probably have a little jameson after this actually
0: most of the shelf is a whole bunch of different kinds of jameson
1: yeah
2: see there's usually
1: jameson also within um arm's reach for cameron
2: i i got jameson i actually got engaged like right next to jameson
0: so really? that was in, in, in Dublin or in Middleton? In
2: Dublin, in Dublin. Fan- so that's where fantastic. we went immediately after. Yeah, we always have a place in my heart. It's great.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> all right, what else, Jameson? And oh, then, oh, yeah, and then I had to tell to you yourself? more.
2: Okay, um,
0: <laughs> I mean, you could put a, you could put a period on. I feel that. like I you, you want it. a Just beer. Jameson? I feel
2: like you want a beer.
0: Uh, not at all. Whatever um, you want to
2: drink. Well, let's see. <sighs> I I don't know why I don't have a to go to answer for this by now. Like I should just know better just to make something up. And that's what I stick with. Like my fake bar name. Um,
0: What's your fake? What's your fake bar name? Ashley. Oh, you look like an Ashley. And and this is
2: like a long time ago, too. Because like, let's be real. I'm a lot older than using fake bar names. But (laughs) this is when I was younger and more, you know, out there, like doing the thing. And it just came to me one day. So I stuck with it. And I just need I just need that. How about this? How about I tell you, like, the first beer that really stuck with me? Well, I like it. Um, Breckenridge Avalanche. Because you got to remember, I come from, like, a beer bar, right? They have so many beers. like Yeah. So Breckenridge Avalanche was always a good one because, right, we always had it on draft. It was easy for me to recommend. Like, mostly everybody loved it. But it was also my first beer bong. Not by choice.
0: (laughs) That's quite a beer to beer bong (laughs) for the first time.
2: (laughs) Of course, beer bong. Most people are, like,
0: on Keystone Light, and you're doing...
2: Was it for, like I said, not my choice. (laughs) So, well, somebody had, it was my birthday party and someone had a six pack for me and then, but then they poured one in a beer bong and, you know, me not wanting to waste it. (laughs) That was my first.
0: That that would definitely uh, be a beer that sticks with me as well. If that's, if that's your first one. So well done. Thank you, and and the rest is history. And Now it's your literal life.
2: And now I run a brewery and going for master. Cicerone. Who would have known
0: when they poured that beer into that <laughs> bong?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Well, and good luck on your your master cicerone um, certification test. Thank you. And, I uh, need it. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be sending good vibes your way.
2: Awesome, I appreciate. We'll, we'll
0: that. be in. We'll actually be in Chicago November twelfth through fifteenth doing some podcasts. So if if you're there that weekend oh, and cool. want some malort, we'll be around.
2: No, God, I'm so glad I'm not there. Damn
0: it. (laughs)
2: I'll be there from like the first week, but I'll be gone by then. Okay. Well,
0: you just missed out on normal. Sorry. Sorry, Uh sorry,
2: guys. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Next time.
0: Yeah. You could
1: have uh, joined me in trying to avoid all of the. There will be no avoidance. It
0: sounds like for Jonathan Uh, or Rachel. So
2: yeah. (laughs) Well done, Jed. Yeah. 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 Don't worry.
1: Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on pour another round today um, and getting us some of your beer and, you know, spending some time with me when I was down in Charlotte and for our listeners, be sure to hit up pilot brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're there in October, you can check out the, their, um, their charity of the month beer that, uh, that's benefiting the Dottie Rose foundation. And when you're there, be sure to pour another round for us. Thank you guys. Perfect. Thank you, Rachel. We appreciate the time. All right
0: thanks for listening to this episode of pour another round be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms facebook instagram or twitter at pour another round we'll be sharing news and information from breweries who are friends of the show you can also find out what we're drinking and hear about upcoming featured breweries as well until next time be sure to pour yourself another round